Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, because of the holiday, we're taking a short break from the book of Matthew for Pastor Michael's special apologetics teaching called The Origins of Halloween. All right, Acts 26, um, the Apostle Paul is before King Agrippa. That's how the chapter opens up. And Agrippa 26.1 of the book of Acts says to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. And then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. Whenever you see the word defense in your Bible, it's likely the word apologia or apologia, where we get the idea of apologetics. You may have heard that word before. That's a big word. It doesn't mean that we're apologizing for anything. It does mean that we are making a defense, a rational, reasoned defense for the historic Christian faith. The Apostle Paul was an apologist. That is, he went around the Roman world making a defense for the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he would go into towns and he would start in the synagogue since he was a Jewish man. He had grown up in the tribe of Benjamin. And he would go in and he would reason with the Jewish people. Just like we would come into a church setting and talk about the Lord, Paul would go into a synagogue setting and he would set the, uh, like an Old Testament prediction aside or by the side of a New Testament reality of Jesus. And he would compare the two and say, see, Jesus is the Christ. If you were to boil down Paul's ministry, that's pretty much what he did. He said to people, see, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And so your job and my job is to go around our world and say to people, see, Jesus is the Christ. He's the hope of the world. People need hope. And so Paul was on trial for uh, what he preached, and there were many people against him. And here's what he says. This is... Uh, Verse 6, he says, Now I'm standing trial, 26.6 of Acts, for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O king, I am being accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Why do you think it's amazing if God raises the dead, why do you oppose the preaching of the resurrection? You guys say you believe in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. And by the way, he spoke it into existence by his mighty power. He calls the stars by name. He made the stars. He made the planets. He made the oceans. He made the fishes. Is that the right way to say fish? Or is it just singular fish? Anyway, he made everything. Why do you think it's a, incredible if he raises the dead too? Because he does, and he has, and he will. Amen. Amen? Amen? This is the hope that we have. Well, you guys are awake this morning. This is awesome. <laughs> now, Paul gets into his testimony in verse 12. He says, while thus, verse 12, engaged as I was journeying to Damascus, with the authority and commission of the chief priests, 
Paul was opposed to Christianity in his former life. He was its chief persecutor. At midday, O king, verse 13, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. Wow, that's got to be a very bright light. Shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Why do you keep fighting God? Well, Paul might say, but I'm a religious man. I'm doing what I'm doing for the purpose of religion. Yeah, Paul, but even your religion is fighting against God. God has brought forth the Messiah and you must submit to him. And so he says, and I said, this is the next logical question. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose, I've appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Delivering you, verse 17, from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Here's your mission. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Consequently, King Agrippa, he says, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also uh, at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Now keep in mind, Paul is before the king, and Paul did not back down to say what the heavenly vision he received was. And he folded in his testimony. And when you're sharing with people at work or at school or wherever you may be, it's a good idea to fold in your testimony. Your testimony, your personal conversion story is not the end all, but it is a nice bridge because you're not just spouting theology or doctrine to people or teaching to people. You're actually saying, this is what happened to me. Now, your testimony is not the sole thing that you give because there are people of other religions who have a testimony as well. So you ultimately have to uh, preach the truth of Jesus Christ. One more scripture before we jump into the origins of the holiday. First Peter 3, go all the way towards the back of your New Testament. I think many of you know this, but this was actually written to a suffering uh, church, and here's what it says. First Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Set him apart as Lord. It's written to Christians, so it's something that a Christian has to do, is continually set Jesus Christ as Lord in your heart and the core of who you are. First Peter 3.15, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being what? Always be ready to make a defense. There's our word, apologia, where we get apologetics. To everyone who asks you, if someone asks you, you need to be ready to do what? To give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with what? Gentleness and reverence or gentleness and respect. What you give defense to, what you speak to people is the hope that's in you. You are an ambassador of hope. 
If you haven't thought of yourself that way, may I suggest to you, if you're a Christian this morning, that that's how you start thinking about your life. You're an ambassador of hope. The hope that you have within you, the hope of Jesus Christ is what you want to preach to other people. And so you go around living out that hope, communicating that hope to people who frankly are largely hopeless. Now, not everybody you meet is walking around looking like they're hopeless, but at some point, life is going to hit you right between the eyes. And you're going to be asking questions about answers. Whether you live on the top of the hill and your bank account has big numbers or you live on the bottom of the hill and you have next to nothing, you're going to start asking some deep questions about life and its meaning and why I'm here. And does my life have any purpose? And what should I be living for? What should I be even willing to die for? And this is the message that Paul went around sharing, that God is light and that there is a hope for the world and his name is Jesus. Now, in light of that, let's talk a little bit about Halloween and uh, what it is and where it came from. In 1848, millions of Irish immigrants poured into America as a result of the potato famine. With this sudden influx, the holiday of Druidism found its new home on alien shores. Halloween, by the way, was not largely practiced in America until 1928. But because America, the United States, was a melting pot of immigrants, immigrants typically carried in their traditions. Some of those traditions may have been good, some of them not so good. They may have had Christian origins, some of them may have had non-Christian origins. And so here's what happened. The holiday was embraced around 1928 in our country. Halloween is big business. It is currently a merchandising gold mine for stores. In fact, it is the most popular marketing event next to Christmas in our culture. Under the heading uh, from fortune.com, the frightening amount Americans spend on Halloween, it says Americans uh, like to splurge on Halloween, so much so that the total spending for the holiday this year is expected to be $8.4 billion. This is a $1.5 billion increase from 2015, according to the National Retail Federation's annual survey. Uh, The increase is partly due to the average of each family spending about $83 uh, per family. And this is a jump of about $8. Overall, Americans are slated to spend a whopping $3.1 billion on costumes, $2.5 billion on candy, and decorations, and $390 million on greeting cards, according to this survey. Now, I'm hoping that most of the $2.5 billion spent on candy is Snickers bars. <laughs> because Snickers is really the only candy. Can I get a witness? Anybody agree? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> and so... Retailers are saying that people are now getting ready earlier and earlier for Halloween, usually a couple months before. You may have noticed in your neighborhood that more and more people are decorating their homes for Halloween. To further highlight Halloween's popularity, approximately 80% of Americans will decorate their homes for Christmas. Approximately 50% or more will decorate their homes for Halloween. Among adults, Halloween has become the third most popular party activity behind the Super Bowl and New Year's Eve. And so it is a big night. 
It's a, it's a night, whatever definition, whatever history, whatever background you have, usually people are doing something on this evening. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team and everyone at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California are excited to invite you to our upcoming Harvest Fest that we hold on October 31st each year. In fact, this is our 12th year doing it. This year, we will have a super fun carnival theme with game booths, decorated trunks for trunks and treats, food, and fun inflatables. Harvest Fest is on October 31st from 5.30 to 8.30 at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way. That's 1009 Arsenal Way. For questions and directions, call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Among adults, Halloween has become the third most popular party activity behind the Super Bowl and New Year's Eve. And so it is a big night. It's It's a night, whatever definition, whatever history, whatever background you have, Usually, people are doing something on this evening. It's also interesting, you may have heard this from Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute, that Christian holidays that celebrate the birth of Christ, his resurrection, have been virtually eliminated from the public school system. Only Halloween, with its themes of the occult, Satan, and witchcraft, is still allowed in public or most public school districts. So there, there is obviously a little bit of a problem when Christian holidays are being booted out, but an occult type of holiday is being celebrated. Travis Allen, who's writing for Grace to You, comments. He says, the question, how should Christians respond to Halloween? Is it irresponsible for parents to let their children trick or treat? What about Christians who refused any kind of celebration during the seasons? Are they, are during the season, are they overreacting? And this is based upon the question or the idea that there are extremes. What is the church to do with a holiday that has these kinds of origins? How should we respond as Christians? Is it full non-participation? Is it, a, is it some middle ground? Is it okay to take your kids trick-or-treating? I'll tell you, my, my views have kind of morphed and changed a little bit over the years. When my kids were younger, I pretty much said, no costumes. Uh, we will, we'll give out candy, but we'll, we'll let people come to our home. And when they come to our home, we'll give a gospel tract with the candy. Not a bad idea. Some, some Christians decided to even be more aggressive and go door to door, and they would offer people something, including a gospel tract. Not a bad idea. Maybe you get together with some Christians in your neighborhood, and you, uh, you can share the hope of the gospel. You can get into conversations, that kind of thing. And uh, I will tell you this, that I was asked to do an interview on KBRT, and uh, the hosts of the show were asking my opinion about Halloween. And I said, it has really changed a little bit. I've become a little bit less militant, I guess you'd say, in looking at how we can best respond. And my kids are saying, why did you wait so long, Dad? All, all we wanted to do was dress up like Superman. Come on. 
When I was a kid, um, my sister and I really enjoyed Halloween. It was something we looked forward to. And of course, there was nothing connected to the occult, nothing to the dark stuff, no witchcraft. We just wanted to dress up like Batman and Superman and our heroes and jump around in costumes and, and get sugared out. That was, our, it was a dream day for us. Come on now. Dress up like your superhero and eat a bunch of candy and it's okay on that night. Woo! Yeah. Anyway. And so we have to find, I think, as parents, grandparents, those who are wrestling with this idea of what we do on a night like this, uh, we have to find a place that we can find, say our conscience is going to be okay. Uh, same author I was quoting says, Christians should respond to Halloween with cautionary wisdom. Some people fear the activity of Satanists or pagan witches, but the actual incidence of Satanic-associated crime is very low. The real threat on Halloween is from the social problems that attend sinful behavior, like drunk driving, pranksters and vandals, unsupervised children. Like any other day of the year, Christians should exercise caution as wise stewards of their possessions and protectors of their families. Christian young people should stay away from secular Halloween parties since those are breeding grounds for trouble. Christian parents can protect their children by keeping them well-supervised and restricting uh, treat consumption to those goodies received from trusted sources. I know, you know, those of you and those of you who are kids in the room, one day you'll understand what your parents go through. We just want to make sure that if you're going to eat something, some candy, especially if it's a Snickers, we want to test it first. <laughs> we want to make sure it's okay. You've seen some of those commercials where, the, or the YouTube videos where the kid's all upset. He says, what happened to my Halloween candy? And mom or dad says, well, I have to confess this, son. I, I ate it. And you watch the kids react in different ways. Have you guys seen these videos? And some of the kids just go crazy. How could you do that? You've destroyed my life. And other kids say, it's okay, mommy or daddy. I forgive you. Anyway, it's a true test of your spirituality, indeed. It's almost like when you come to church when the Dodgers are playing, it's a true test of your spirituality. I was here Wednesday night, or yeah, was it Wednesday night? Yeah, Dodgers were playing. So a lot of spiritual people in the room that night. Anyway. Now, it is true that there are themes of Halloween that... Uh, are from the morbidly supernatural, but they've been pretty much sanitized for popular consumption. So Christians should not respond to Halloween like superstitious pagans do, because greater is he that is in us than what? He that is in the world. So we don't have to freak out. I was telling uh, the group recently, we were going through the Mark of the Beast, and I said, look, if, if your food totals up to $6.66... Be calm. Don't freak out. Don't say, I have to buy some gum and get it off that number. It's all right. Look, there's a specific meaning to that, and it doesn't have to do with if your food totaled $6.66, okay? Christians need to calm down and understand that our God is on the throne. Amen. Our God reigns. But there are pagans who are, and when I say a pagan, I'll define that in a second, who are, you know, they think that there's something special about this night, and this is a little bit of the history that we have to talk about. And so uh, we have to understand uh, the extremes and find that place where we can be wise and share the truth with people. 
One thing that we do know, and this is found in Deuteronomy, let's go over there, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, is the children of Israel were warned not, warned not to embrace the ways of the pagan cultures. Let me go ahead and define the word pagan. The word pagan doesn't necessarily mean a person who's just secular or non-religious. A pagan, technically, is a person who believes in multiple gods or goddesses and who believes that those gods and goddesses are connected to nature and that it's often expressed in something called pantheism. Pantheism is all God. Pan is all. Theism means God. And they believe God is in everything. So they believe that God's in the trees, God's uh, perhaps in animals and so forth, in nature, and they see gods and goddesses in everything. You've been listening to The Origins of Halloween, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's special apologetics teaching. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, here's our producer, Rob, to give you an update about the fundraising we did in September. Thank you so much if you helped raise funds last month. Our goal was to raise enough funds to join a radio station in Hawaii. Unfortunately, we have not raised enough funds to do so, but we did raise about half of that amount. So God is great. We were able to raise nearly $20,000. Again, we are so grateful for every Walk in Truth listener who gave. If you remember back in August, we talked about a few different listening areas we would like to reach with this ministry. With the amount of funds raised, we believe we can still make that possible. But we have to do our due diligence and we have to be good stewards of the gifts you have given. So we will be reaching out to our new Walk-In Truth partner soon to talk about these opportunities. Again, from Pastor Michael and the whole Walk-In Truth team, God bless you and we are so grateful for you. Whether you are a longtime listener, a Walk-In Truth monthly partner, or a new listener, You are part of this ministry, and we are here so you can learn more from the Bible. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Rob. If you've been a longtime listener and would like to help us broadcast on this station or podcast, please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $10. That's about the price of one novelty coffee latte. Please donate today by visiting walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, as we delve into the origins of Halloween right here on Walk in Truth, I'm sure it raises some questions for you. Maybe you have kids that are just getting to that age where they could go trick-or-treating if you decided that they should go. And you might say, Pastor Michael, what did you do as a parent? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I was a newer Christian when my kids were younger. And of course, time has gone by. My boys are all now in their 20s. Two of the three are married. And so that issue is behind me, and I would say that I probably started off with some really strong, like, we're not doing anything, and then kind of loosened uh, up a little bit and (laughs) thought, we should be redeeming this night for the Lord, so if people come to our door, it's gospel tracks and candy, and then, of course, harvest festivals have emerged, and that's a great alternative, and Sometimes you feel like your kids want to have fun and everybody else is doing this and you're like, should I keep them from the fun? Are they going to, 
you know, resent their faith, so to speak. And you can bring up all kinds of questions. I, I think harvest fests are great alternatives because what they do is they get the focus on the gospel where it belongs, on the hope, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. They provide a safe alternative where kids can dress up like Bible characters, etc., have fun, um, enjoy some candy, enjoy music, the evening. And yet it's it's a way to shine the light on a night that some people are going to be practicing darkness. Let's face it, some people are, but the majority of Americans are just going with the flow, dressing up and not delving into pagan, you know, occult practices, etc. So I think this is a Romans 14 issue for a Christian. It's a matter of your conscience. And I, I would say don't violate your conscience, but harvest fests at churches are a great alternative and the gospel gets out and people are coming to us anyway. So why not proclaim the light of Jesus Christ? So speaking of harvest festivals, we're having a harvest fest, our 12th annual at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Now it starts at 5.30, runs to 8.30 p.m., a Halloween alternative on the 31st. And it's called The Greatest Joy on Earth. And we're going to be celebrating the light of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our address is 1009 Arsenal Way. We're in the northern end of Corona, right off the 91 and Lincoln Avenue, kind of on the border of Corona and Norco. You can get information, driving directions, Come on out. It's walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab, walkintruth.com. I would love to meet you if you're part of our listening family. It would be great to have you out, you and your family. And come and check it out, walkintruth.com. See you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's special apologetics teaching called The Origins of Halloween. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.